You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Now, given there's over 50,000 divorces each year in Australia and lawyers and psychologists are all reporting an uptick in inquiries from people thinking about separation and divorce at the moment, it's high time that I start talking about it on the podcast. So in today's episode, to provide some grounded advice on this topic, I've got Gabrielle Canny, the National Legal Aid Director and Amica Project Chief, which is a pretty cool app. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in this episode. So Gabrielle, welcome onto the Australian Finance Podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. This is a very interesting topic, and so I've got plenty to tell you. Yes, and from our pre-chat, I know that you're very excited and passionate about this, so I'm really excited to share what you've got to tell us, um, and especially about such a complex topic that, I mean, I'm, I feel a bit disappointed that we've never spoken about it before on the show, so uh, definitely um, well time to do it today. And Deciding to separate is is one of the hardest things that people can ever do and making property and financial decisions you need to move on is usually viewed as a very expensive and painful process. I mean, we all see the movies with heaps of fights and arguments, and I'm sure many of us know someone, whether it's our parents, our grandparents, our aunts and uncles, who's been through this process and may have a very positive or negative experience. Um, And I'd, I'd really like to start by defining divorce and separation and how this process usually works and what what a typical couple would do in this. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, for most of us, particularly with that sort of that uh, the first relationship, that's a long relationship, whether it be a de facto relationship or a marriage, to come to the point where the where you're going to separate and sometimes sometimes takes a while, sometimes it unfortunately comes out of the blue, but most people haven't been through it before. They absolutely don't know um, what they don't know. Um, and it's not a topic of conversation that people sort of bring up willingly um, so that they're storing up information just in case. And so it, it, it often catches people unaware of what to do next. 
So for people who have married, if they decide to separate, then they will, they'll be thinking about a divorce. But it's not just the divorce, because what the divorce does is it severs the marriage, the sort of the, the piece of paper that you've got in relation to the marriage, but it doesn't sort out the property. So that needs to be sorted. And if there's children as well about arrangements for children, if people haven't married, but they've been in a de facto relationship, um, they still have to sort out um, their property and if there's been any children um, in relation to what's best for them. But they don't have to go through the technical divorce process because they haven't had that uh, formality of a marriage. But um, the rules are pretty much the same, whether you've been married or whether you're de facto in relation to sorting out property. So that's sort of the first, the first place to start, is pretty much the information that is available to you, and I'll tell you about where information is available, will apply if you've been uh, married or whether you've been in a de facto relationship. And of course, it applies equally for same-sex marriage because since the um, alteration to the Family Law Act a couple of years ago. Absolutely. And I might just uh, pause on the word property because I know lawyers use property and that actually includes a lot more than just the house that you're living in right now, doesn't it? Absolutely. So when, when, when a couple get together, they often bring things with them. They might bring an interest in a house or some ownership of a house. They probably bring a car. They might bring uh, savings in the bank and they might have some shares. Crucially, they might also have superannuation. They might be young um, and so they only just started a superannuation account. But almost everybody who has a job has superannuation. So when you look to separate, you need to see what did I bring into the relationship? What have we built up together as a couple? And what have we now got? But it will include everything. It, it does include super. Um, and there are rules about how the super is dealt with. But for many people, that's something they think, oh, that's not really mine. That's not, you know, that is mine. That's not something really for the relationship. But actually, it is taken into account in the relationship. And there's lots of reasons why. But it, so it, you really need to be very careful. You need to think absolutely all assets that each party has um, and the joint ones, you, you, and then have a look and see how to, how to separate that. And so you might you might go in thinking I don't have any assets, but then realize oh I do have a hundred thousand dollars in my super, and that yeah. really needs to be taken into account. That's right, and perhaps I should also say at this stage we also have to take into account debt because for some relationships and so for some people, unfortunately, the debt is higher than the asset, um, and so debt is taken into account as well. Yeah, and before we dive too much into the the weeds, I know that relationships come in many different forms this these days and there's different legal processes for different um whether you're married or in a de facto relationship are you able to sort of elaborate on maybe the difference there and other is the process different because I know you mentioned the other day that you might not necessarily need to get divorced in all cases mm, that's right so you only need to get divorced if you've actually got married but the, the good thing in Australia is that family law applies the same basically all around Australia. There are some small differences in Western Australia uh, because the court over there is a state-based court, but it applies national law. But so it doesn't really matter where you are, where you're hearing this, you know, in each state or territory, the law is the same. Um, and so that's a really good thing because of course it gets confusing when laws change from state to state. So if you're married, then you need to get a divorce. And you, um, if you get a divorce, You've only got 12 months after your divorce to apply to the court for orders in relation to property settlement. So it's not something you can just sort of let drag on forever. Um, you really do need to sort of really watch your timeframes. 
If you haven't been married but you've been de facto, um, then the time frame it doesn't it doesn't run like that because there's no need for a divorce. But my recommendation is that you do get onto things quickly because it gets much more difficult to sort out property the longer um, it is after your separation. And if someone wanted to find out if they were, because it's quite clear if you're married, like you've gone mm. through the process, you've got the certificate, but um, I guess some people don't often always realise they're in a de facto relationship. Is there mm. a, a way you can figure that out on your own? Yeah. Is like a website you can go to to find the criteria? Yeah. Absolutely. And you should do that. Um, and there are really good websites. The first place is, is you can go to the family court because that website does define divorce. It defines, you know, de facto and gives you information. Um, but there are also other really good websites. Um, I'm involved with Legal Aid. And so I'm, I, I uh, run the Legal Aid office in South Australia. And we have a really good website that tells you, that defines everything. It's called the Law Handbook Online. Now, that information will apply all over Australia. But so too do the other Legal Aid Commissions. Enormous amount of information that you can get for free online that is reliable information. It's best to go to the source, like the Family Court website, or go to someone that's really predictable, very reliable, like someone like Legal Aid that's funded through government, because you don't want to get caught in a situation where perhaps you're looking for information, then have to actually pay to get that information. It, it is available universally. Everybody should be able to uh, Google that. If you Google um, and then try to sort of pick your pick your website from the sort of the top ones, you should be fine. Mm. Yeah, it's probably something that you, you don't want to be Googling too much on Reddit forums to find the answer. <laughs> um, and I know you mentioned that um, it can be quite messy and complicated if you wait too long with that time frame. Is there any time frame for de facto relationships or is that um, you can just do it at your own pace? Yeah, you should really do it within the first two years. Um, after separation and so that's what I'm saying you know it is it's something to sort of get done um, and it does get much more complicated because of course the asset changes and so if it's a house and particularly in the current market with property prices um, they might be sort of going up they might be changing it gets a quite a complicated conversation then about whether you value the house at the time you separated or whether you value the house at the time that you're, you're uh, sorting out the property when you're dividing it up um, and there's a, some sort of some rules around that and so the sooner you do it the better and of course for most people once they've agreed they're separating and they've actually probably moved out of their sort of joint living arrangements they want to get on with their lives they need that sort of uh, sorting out of the property so they can get on with their lives the house may need to be sold and so each party can then take the uh, take their share and buy themselves something else they need to separate those those joint um, uh, bank accounts never keep joint bank accounts after you've separated it's not a good thing um, that's something you can do very easily close the account separate the money or if there is a dispute about who's getting what out of that bank account, then freeze the bank account until you can reach agreement. Um, but don't just let, the, let them go. Um, because unfortunately, for some people who get very emotional and perhaps distressed in relation to a separation, they might uh, take steps in relation to um, easily accessible assets mm. um, and um, make some uh, bad decisions in relation to that. Yeah, if you wait too long, the money might just disappear. Mm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Given we're a finance podcast, I'd be keen to hear your thoughts on what the average cost of a divorce or property settlement is in Australia. 
It's a, it's a good question and it is something people need to be aware of. And I'm going to tell you soon about a product that we're, we've uh, produced um, a tool uh, to help people in the situation so they don't have to spend an enormous amount of money on a uh, property settlement. But when you're getting a divorce, so that's severing the marriage, there's a fee, it's around about $1,000 that you pay to the uh, family court, but that just severs the marriage. It doesn't sort out the property. So, um, it is possible for people to sort it out themselves without going to lawyers. Um, they can get information online and they can do it. But that's usually the most simple arrangements. If we talk about people who have a little bit more complex arrangements, perhaps the relationship's been longer, there may be children. And if there is um, perhaps assets worth fighting over, people can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a property settlement using lawyers um, often sort of standing up for what they think are their rights, what they think is their uh, proper share, whereas, in fact, they're never going to get that amount in the court. You need some, a bit of reality testing, and that's where um, information really helps. So people, I um, there have been some very expensive divorces in Australia, and people have spent over a million dollars on a property settlement. But what you know is that's what the lawyers cost. It's not what happened after you divided the money. And so for someone perhaps who have an, who has average assets but fought tooth and nail in relation to those assets, they could spend all their equity that they were going to get in their hands on lawyers fighting for them. I'm not being critical of lawyers because lawyers are doing their job because they act on instructions. You know, the client might say, I'm not settling for that. I want the whole lot. You know, I want 100% or whatever. And the lawyer can say, look, I don't think you'll get that at court, but we'll see how we go. But if you get good information, it's a bit like a reality test, then you'll know what, what is fair and what, if you can't agree on it, a court might give you. Mm. And I think that can be sometimes the trouble because you're, there's so much emotion involved in this process and it might it turns into sort of a fight on morals and ideals mm. rather than mm. a fight on what, what the law is actually going to give you. That's right. And, and sort of sort of thinking back, sort of harking back to when the sort of family law was established, um, it, there was fault in divorce, in divorce. And so there was this, this concept that one party had done the wrong thing and therefore they shouldn't benefit from the sort of the separation. But of course, that went out years and years and years ago. The, the, the court is actually not interested in whose fault the breakup is, who perhaps went off with somebody else or who sort of was behaving badly. What they're interested in is what is a fair separation of that property. Okay, so there's no point raising all of those issues now. No, there's not. I mean, it's very relevant if there are children of the relationship and who they live with, what their expenses are. It's also relevant as to where the couple finds themselves. So, for example, if you had a couple that were together for, let's say, 20 years, and for whatever reason, one of the, uh, the parties was the uh, wage earner and the other was the homekeeper, um, then that upon separation, there needs to be an adjustment for that homekeeper because they don't have the income that the other party does. So for some people, it's quite complex. For others, let's call it a sort of a relatively short arrangement, five years, let's say, a, a um, relationship where people live together. They both have their jobs, they'll go on earning. Then it's just really relatively simple to sort out those joint assets they built up together. And you mentioned uh, those worst case scenarios where it costs hundreds of thousands, maybe a million plus for a, a divorce. Are there any strategies for listeners to really avoid that situation in the future? Oh. 
Absolutely. I mean, everybody should avoid that. I mean, you know, you think of all the hard work that goes into building up assets and to think that you might sort of, that might be sort of wasted away by paying for something that in the end, you're probably not going to get a better result than what you, what you started with. So um, really the thing is get information. Um, I'll refer you to amica.gov.au. Now, that is the tool that we have created. I've been the sort of the lead in relation to that. What that is, is it's an um, online tool that you can have a look at, and it will give you information straight away about uh, the rules, about uh, property settlements. Um, it will give you information as to whether there are red flags, whether you should immediately go off and get some advice. There might be, for example, a power imbalance or domestic violence in a, in a uh, relationship. Um, and then that's a red flag. You really need to go off and get some good legal advice. Um, and there are free legal advice lines that you can use. But the clever thing about Amica is that once both parties decide that they would like to get uh, try and sort out their um, uh, dividing their property online using this tool, then they input all their information. Then the um, artificial intelligence uh, takes in, into account that information that has been provided. It also takes into account what other couples have decided with um, how to split up their property in the similar situation and what a court would say, and then tells the parties how, much, how the court would decide this for them. Will it be a 60-40 split? Will it be a 50-50 split? It's then up to the individuals to decide whether they want to accept that recommendation and proceed to produce a written document that's legally enforceable or whether they think, oh, no, I think something's gone wrong here or our situation is different. But it's a true reality checker because it would be unusual unless the information inputted is incorrect, be unusual for a party then to go to court and get a different result. And that's a, a really great way to find, if everyone's being truthful about the information, mm -hmm. get an initial indication of what that would look like. And I know everyone likes to get as much information as they can before mm -hmm. speaking to the professionals because it can be really scary. And having tools like that is fantastic, even using artificial intelligence to, yeah. to really improve that information. It's really clever um, and it's really what it should be because, as we know, there's there's lots of information online. You know, we all know it's sort of you can you can access the law, the legislation online. So why shouldn't we then be able to combine that information and be able to give this sort of indication of what's going to happen if you do to sort of end up in court without being able to agree? Um, but, um, you know, over, over um, 6,000 couples have used it over the last year since we've launched it um, and, we, and, and the tool includes a quality assurance in that a lawyer looks at every recommendation uh, before the parties receive it to make sure that AI is not going wrong, not going off on a product of their own. Um, and it's working incredibly well. So the quality assurance is there. Um, people can use it right through to get court orders, or they can just use it for what we call an agreement, a property agreement. And then they can use that to go to the bank and say, look, this is what we've agreed. We now need to sell the house or we need to do this. Or one is going to buy the other one out. All those arrangements can be put into it. So that's amica.com. And I take it Amica is a lot more affordable than going, um, getting lots of legal advice and going to court? Absolutely, yes. For people who just want information, um, completely free. 
There's no question about that. So they get lots and lots of information. If they want to use the, um, if they want to use, uh, produce an agreement, print out an agreement, whether it's an informal agreement or one that's called a consent order, which is possibly filed at court, then it depends if it's just property, it's about uh, $300. Um, and if there's children involved, you might climb up to $500. But that's for the agreement. So that's, that cost is split between the parties. So it's an incredibly economic way of reaching an agreement and getting some illegal enforceable document yeah amazing and are there any other between going to court and using amico if you think you need to maybe discuss this through with an individual are there any other avenues like mediation that people can use mm. to to go through this process Absolutely. In family law, the, the emphasis, the very strong emphasis is on mediation, uh, dispute resolution, whether you do it online dispute resolution or whether you do it sort of face-to-face -face, a dispute resolution. In fact, in relation to children's issues, you can't go to court unless you've done mediation. And then very recently, the Family Court has also been introducing a very strong incentive for anybody who wants to go to court in relation to property issues, that they must also be referred to mediation. So mediation will be on the pathway for any for a couple that can't agree. Um, but, you know, even earlier than that, what uh, you can use Amica for, and there are other products on the market that link to legal firms. And so what they, what they do is they get you to organise yourself before you go to see the lawyer. So it's a bit like what I call a brief. You know, you put together all the relevant documents that you're going to need and information you're going to need when you see the lawyer. What that will do is shorten the time you need to spend with the lawyer, therefore the cost, because it's all done on an hourly rate. Um, and so Amica will really help you with that. They'll say you need the details of the house, get the valuation, um, you'll need your bank accounts, get a copy of your bank accounts, you know, and enrol in superannuation, get, get, a, um, get an indication of what the super's worth. Um, and so you sort of build up all your paperwork and so that if you do need to, and many couples will need to get professional legal advice because their, their situation is more complex than normal, um, then it really helps to be able to produce that at the first meeting with the lawyers so that you're not spending hours and hours just providing those instructions. And given most of us wouldn't have faced this situation before, it does help actually having something guiding you and saying mm. you need these documents, you need this information, because otherwise you, you're just sort of rocking up and going, help. And yeah. that, as mm, you said, mm. that is a lot, that is a very expensive way to do it. It is. Yeah, that's right. And I always I always think now there's just so much good information available on the, you sort of through the internet. Just make sure you, you know, that did you use it to prepare yourself for a situation? And even in other areas of law, you know, for example, if you had a debt and you wanted to go through a magistrate's court, uh, if you needed to go through a magistrate's court proceedings, go to the website, you know, find out first because you're so much better armed then. You understand so much better about the situation you're sort of falling into. Yeah. And when it comes to using these platforms, what are some of the, the common roadblocks or challenges that kind of halt people in their track when they're trying to reach an agreement? Well, often it comes down to the complexity of the person or the complexity of their situation. And so you may find that sometimes with um, a, a marriage breakup or a relationship breakup, that one party is uh, perhaps ready to move on before the other party. 
And so one will say, look, I'm ready to sort out our property. And the other one's perhaps a bit reluctant. Maybe they think that there's a chance that the, there might be a reconciliation. Maybe they're just hoping that things will get better. Um, and so what we find is that many times that people are, they go onto Amica, one side will go onto Amica, get all the really good information and then think, actually, I think we can do this. And so then they send electronically an invitation to the other party to say, will we do this? Will we use this tool to do this? Um, and the other party doesn't respond. Uh, and usually we find it's because they're just not psychologically ready to do it. Um, but in other times, it's the complexity of the situation. If, for example, um, the couple, uh, one of the couple, for example, might have received money through a bequest, through a will, um, and that, that's going to complicate the situation. If, for example, they've received that money very recently into the relationship and into the, if the split up, it probably will be completely um, uh, ignored in the sense that there will be no allocation to the other party. But if, for example, it had been 10 years and that sort of the money had sort of been tipped into the family finances and it was all merged now, that's quite a complicated thing to try and sort out. If, for example, the couple ran a business together, that's complicated. That needs some sort of good advice. And so it's either the complexity of the person or the complexity of the situation. Mm, and that's the situation where you'd probably actually need to see someone and get assistance mm. with that. Uh, I can imagine it, it might be difficult if one party is coming to the table and one party isn't. Like using one of these free tools might not be the right thing yeah. to do at that time. But also what you might find is that some parties might go off and get some really good advice from some lawyers and then they say, oh, we, we get it now. All right. I think we can go back and use the tool now because we're both on the same page. We're both at the, ready, you know, at the readiness to do it. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about superannuation and how this plays into divorces and separations. Like what, what should we be aware of with regards to our super? I think that um, for, so for younger people, um, for people in relationships where both parties got super, um, that's a fairly standard thing because they would be building up their super balances as, as time goes on. But for people who, for whatever reason, haven't been in super, whether they haven't had a job, maybe they've studied for a long time, and the other party has got super, um, and that's worth quite a bit, then in when the relationship breaks down, it may be that one party will be compensated through the other party's super. But as we know about super, it's a future entitlement. It's not something that you can access um, uh, without special provisions. Uh, it's not something you can access like money in the bank uh, because it's, it's for the future. And so um, what sometimes needs to happen is they need to do what they call super splitting. Um, but, but that might involve... Um, um, how do I describe this? It might involve a calculation such that one one side uh, one one of the parties is going to get a hundred thousand, um, and uh, the other side. Let's say each of them will end up with sort of effectively a hundred thousand each, but someone will keep all their super and only get twenty thousand in cash because they've allocated their the share to the other party through through another asset, um, because you can't actually pull it out of super. Um, there are very strict rules about when you can actually access super and a, a, a marriage breakdown or a, a relationship split up isn't one of those situations. Um, but, of course, if parties are close to retirement, then you can, um, or if they've actually um, uh, started accessing the super, then you can split it because it, there's a lot of money sitting in those super accounts where people have been earning for many years. And it may be if, as I said, you had a what sort of might have been a traditional relationship um, for the older for older couples, uh, the wife never had a job, 
the wife, for example, um, you know, was rearing the kids, you know, running things at home, then the um, amount that's been built up in the husband's account will, will have to be shared to the wife one way or another. Mm. But it's complex. Um, it, yeah. it, it is complex. <laughs> Easy when it's, as I said, each party early in the relationship, everyone's pretty young, their balances are about the same. It's, and then you usually agree, I keep mine, you keep yours. It's when the balances aren't the same, long relationship, um, that you really need to get some good advice. Yeah, you can sort of understand the, the longer the relationship goes on and the more the assets change and grow and develop, the more potentially complicated the situation mm. can get. Yeah, that's right. Are there any other strategies you want to share with our listeners when it comes to separation and divorce and making sure they can do it in the most calm and cost-effective manner possible? I think, I think the main advice is to try to keep emotion out of it. Um, try to sort of get to the stage where you're sort of accepting that the separation is happening and that um, you will be now moving on with your life and that a property can't be used to penalise the other party. That's just not the way it works. Um, But also I have to repeat that if there are any children of the relationship, that will um, influence the decision in relation to the property because, of course, the children need a place to live depending upon what's been agreed in relation to uh, contact and who they live with. Um, It may be that there will be special needs in relation to those children and so there may be sort of, uh, well, there could be expensive school fees that need to be paid. That needs to be taken into account. Or there might be a child with a disability who will need sort of funding longer term. Um, And so... The fact of children in the relationship does influence what happens with property. Um, and that's why, as I say, those sort of early relationships without children, much simpler, but it does get more complicated. Um, and what the rules are is it must be fair and be in the best interest of the children. And that's almost a mantra that people should keep thinking for themselves for property. We've got to end up with a fair settlement. It's not a matter of one winning and one losing. It's about what's fair because that way people can then move on with their lives and get the best benefit from having been in that relationship even though it's broken down. Mm. And I know um, we wanted to chat a bit more about binding financial agreements and making arrangements mm-hmm. for children and uh, we'll potentially be having a follow-up episode with yeah. a family law expert mm-hmm. to dive into that further and answer any listener questions that have arisen from today's episode. But one last thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap up, I, I know you were speaking when we, we chatted earlier about how important it is to be empowered with all this information and even if it's not for you right now or ever, you could help a friend or a family member going through this situation. How, how do you recommend if we're the support person for someone we know going through this now or in the future, maybe best preparing ourselves so we can give them some tools to help them? It's a really good uh, question and it's a really good thing to sort of talk about because unfortunately there are out in the community what I call urban myths. Urban myths about divorce urban myths about property settlements um, and urban myths about how de facto relationships are sorted out when they break down. And so it's very unfortunate and sometimes it sort of encourages um, an incorrect perception of how something is going to finish up um, by sitting around the kitchen table repeating urban myths and actually not knowing whether they're right or not. And so the best thing someone can do who's supporting somebody else um, is to actually just be just get some information for themselves. And that's where this sort of amica.gov.au will give enough information to be able to say, hang on a sec, 
I think you should go to this website or I don't think that's really right about one 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 side gets everything and the other one gets nothing. You know, I don't think that's quite right. Um, go to the website. Also, all legal aid agencies around Australia have free advice lines. You, anybody can ring their free advice line. Just Google sort of your local legal aid office and they've got a free legal advice line. And so you could just ring up and say, I'm just not sure. In, in fact, many years ago, my early job was on one of those advice lines and I'd have people ring me and say, I'm just thinking about this. I don't know where the relationship's going, but I'd like to be a little bit forewarned. What would happen if we split up? And you can sort of just chat through those situations. You don't even have to have, you'd be in the middle of it. Um, but the other thing also is to watch for people who you can see are in a power imbalance or perhaps there's been some domestic violence because they are going to be so influenced by that behaviour that they may not be able to make good decisions for themselves. And so there are really good resources out there that will help people. Um, and so it's, it's sort of watching out for somebody else. Um, but people should intuitively know there is a resource that can help them. And if the starting point is amica.gov.au. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's amazing that we have these resources and we just sort of need to get the word out there more mm. about Amica and Legal Aid and all of the free hotlines that are available. Mm. Even um, like there's financial counsellors, I'm yep. sure they would point you in the right direction if you were going mm. through this and um, just a lot of resources out there. And if we get the word out, I think that will help people uh, going through these situations and you'll be able to better help your friends and family as well. That's right. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Gabrielle, if you want to, if anyone wants to learn more about you and Amica and your work, where should they go? Yeah, so go to amica.gov.au. The website is, is uh, as I said, we've been live for over a year now. Um, there's lots of information there um, and uh, that's, a, that's your best starting point. Wonderful. I'll make sure to share that link in our, our Facebook community as well, because I think that's a really important one that people know about just because they can use as a reference point to share mm -hmm. with their friends and family and just get that conversation started because as much as we don't like talking about superannuation or our finances, yeah. we probably don't want to talk about this even more. Um, most of us don't want to preemptively plan these yeah. conversations. So I think it's a, it's a good that we can just in our own time, have a look at that side and just make sure we've got some of the basics down pat. And there's lots and lots of links on there. So exactly what you said about financial counsellors, about mediation, about specialist services that are needed, about domestic violence resources. Um, there's warnings, for example, uh, for someone, for example, who might have been divorced and they're sort of running up to the year after their divorce that they need to do their property settlement. There's a warning to say, hurry up, hang on a sec, you've got to hurry up about this. Um, and so it's a really good starting point. Yeah, and I noticed the Amica website had an easy exit at the top. So if you don't want yeah. anyone to see that mm. you're on the site, you can easily get it out. And I think there's Absolutely. a lot of resources mm. now that do that, which I think is a, a good improvement. Mm. Wonderful. Well, Gabrielle, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And hopefully we get a part two in the yeah. future uh, to discuss this further because um, just sharing these resources is so important. It's been a pleasure and I'm really, really pleased to be able to sort of spread the word. Um, and I'd like to think that in a year's time when someone's sort of talking to a friend, they'll be able to say, hang on a sec, I know what you should do, check Amica out. Wonderful. Thank you so Good. much. Thank you. Good. Bye-bye then. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community 
by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.